Welcome to episode 20 of the Sign Radio Show and the start of our third season. Melker from the Art of Coding Initiative is joining us to discuss the UNESCO World Cultural Heritage applications, the recent success in Poland, how you can help and what's next for them. But first, let's settle into the new year and the new season together. So, welcome to the Zion Podcast. I'm Hockey. Hello, Axel. And I'm Zevoid. Hello, everyone. Good to see you all. Welcome back for a new year, a new podcast. New, lots of changes. Before we get to the changes, I want to wish you all a happy new year. Happy 2022. 2022. Yeah, that doesn't bode well, though. 2022 again? Two, I mean, yeah, and then yeah. whatever it means. Like, it's still 2019. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys had a good good New Year's, good Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I was a bit sick over the days, but uh, my voice is still a bit damaged, so glad we can, you... We can, we can hear that you still sound. You sound very good for the podcast. You have a very good voice. I, my, my voice is very podcast-friendly these days, so... That's perfect. Excellent, excellent. So yeah, that's uh, that's good to be back. And we have a lot of news. We have a whole new, yeah, just a lot of news. Let's, let's kick it right off with a new team because indeed, as everybody heard in the last episode, we had Gargai and Gloom supporting us for a year. And after that year, they were like, let somebody else continue it. And some people are doing that. Oh, yes, they are. And who are those people? And I think Ziphoi should say it in a sexy voice. Oh, no. Well, first of all, the production role, the producer role is now handed over to Shana. And she's been so far doing a stellar job preparing everything for us, laying everything out the way that we need it to be. Because otherwise, exactly. yeah, otherwise we won't really be able to do this anyway. And then, and of people course, might, the- people might know her, let's <laughs> this before we, because people might know her from, of course, being in Breakpoint and Revision Organizing before. Maybe not Breakpoint, maybe just Revision, I'm not sure. But Revision Organizing, uh, Mountain Bites Organizing, the party that keeps being postponed, mm. which is very sad. Hopefully it will happen and we see each other there one year. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he has been shadowing Gargai and uh, doing a fantastic job at being a producer. Yeah, so this is really good. And then we have, we are actually keeping up with the audio uh, editing details and sticking that to Norway. Because now after Gloom, we have Luguber. The friendliest Norwegian in the demo scene. Yes, but he looks the scariest, I guess. But he is legit the friendliest. People might think yeah. I was joking. I'm not. He's legit the friendliest Norwegian, but he looks intimidating sometimes. But he's, <laughs> no, he's a fantastic, fantastic yeah. music producer, of course, known from... Uh, God, what goes, I want to say if I start with Boozaholics, but that's maybe not his <laughs> finest hour. But uh, Nazareth, I think, he's been in, and uh, he probably has done stuff for Excess, or is, I don't know, I mix up my music making Norwegians. My apologies to the Cooper. But uh, yeah, now, of course, been a staple in the demo scene for many years, DJing, uh, revision, and big parties. Um, and has been uh, all round a fantastic person. Every. Uh, of course, every week he does his breakbeats, drum and bass, and tea. Yeah, podcast. So check that out as well because it's awesome. I mostly know him from from seeing him in the top ranks in music compos. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, Damn, as well. him again, him again. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great musician. So we are in good hands. Yes, for this year of design podcast. Uh, so welcome them, uh, Shana and Luguber, picking up the duties from uh, Gargai and Loom. And we're very happy to have them and to continue Design Podcast Season 3. We have a lot to talk about. Yes, it is Season 3. Um, and we're staying. So what we're doing this year, we're staying on a monthly release cycle every month. Uh, again, we made that promise. We're sticking to it. Uh, we have the ghost of Gargai like Obi-Wan Kenobi in, in uh, <laughs> Return of the Jedi looking over our shoulder, making sure that like we keep doing what we do. 
um, deep dives, interviews. To do this. So this episode, we have a fantastic interview lined up uh, to talk about uh, the UNESCO heritage um, applications that have been happening in several countries with Malkarov Haujab, who has been a big um, voice in that whole uh, application process. And he's going to explain to us a little bit what it is and how it works. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, and I think overall we want to to bring a bit uh, to to look a bit beyond the scene as well over the over the issues and, uh, and episodes that we're recording, like uh, meeting interesting people and technologies related to and even outside of the scene. So we keep uh, trying to explore these things because uh, sometimes we get topic ideas and and they might fit perfectly into to something that you can do a deep dive on within an existing audience of the demo scene, but maybe we can also attract some new people uh, to listen to the episodes. And so we're doing a bit of um, outreach topics as well. Um, probably you could even call today's topic one of these. So that's completely maybe a bit uh, looking beyond the, the the core of, of the demo scene and, and looking what oh, other people the culture, culture outreach. I think it's yeah. definitely like we want a little bit the scenes that are existing Within the scene, next to the scene, from your, from your, I mean, the side scouting within the scene, but then with the bite beats, a little bit outside of the scene, and all the shader showdowns, and like all these like creative scenes and technologies, and how do the how do they interfere? There's so much people that know of the demo scene. And Absolutely. Let's make so we want to do like those kind of interesting deep dives. So yeah, expect a lot of great stuff and and more projects where you can join and support. Uh, the encoring where is your group name coming from? Uh, let us know if you have uh, the, the history of your group names. We want to have a. Uh, we want to know. We want to know where all these names come from. It's so fun that people like after many decades of being in Demosin, Demosin come like yes, I'm Evil Jort from the Flame Wizards, and it's like why. Where the hell did I come from? There should be some pretty <laughs> hilarious explanations coming up there. <laughs> All teenagers coming up with cool. I'm as again, I love the story of meeting Mr. Sex. Possibly uh, it's like a forty a man in his forties going, eh, what can you say? <laughs> like, <laughs> teenagers. So, Oki, New Year, how was your cables project coming along? <laughs> yes, that's, so that, that went well. You've had a year uh, of time now. <laughs> yes, it's had a year of time. Like in last year, now I was like, I'm delving into cables. I will say that the Pandu reached out to me. I joined the group. He reached out, he reached out to me within the holiday. I've been super busy and I will say that nothing came of it yet. But it is really high in my priority list is making music. I've been way more active with music. And um, and starting with cable, so it will happen. It's it's yeah. It's maybe you can explain quickly again what the, what it's about. Cables is this um, basically online development platform um, created by among other people Pandur of Black Maiden and Holon, and it's web based uh, interface. Uh, I've only looked at it briefly, and it's it's very like component based. Yeah, real-time development towards your GPU, so it's with all of its shaders and the scary stuff, but it's really cool. has a really cool community around it. A lot of people have started using cables uh, in the demo scene for their demos. It's like a demo platform, basically like an online visual platform. It's cables. Let me look up the URL. GL, right? Yes, cables.gl. Uh, visual programming with cables. And you basically, you drag lines. It's like that kind of node-based programming. Uh, that was really popular as well um, uh, back in the day with, with the Kismet design in um, Unreal Engine and stuff like that. So it looks visual Dragon Cubes and it's really cool. And even like I used to program back when I was young, I even went to school for it. 
but I all forgot it. And this is like my <laughs> trying to get back into it. But you do know now that you will be asked on a monthly basis where you're standing with that. Yes, no, do, but badger me and I should have a demo. <laughs> like a demo for revision would be fantastic. And uh, under some kind of shady group name, there's absolutely not being traced back to me. <laughs> so we can ask you about this and we can ask Sifford about his musical progress. So that's how oh. we all set on our duties for, for throughout you, the year. Axel, no, I don't know musical any progress? duties. You make music, right? No duties music. for me. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I mean, you have been releasing tracks, Axel. So, so I mean, you're good on that part. Anyway, with the with the Strom project that you yeah, have. we'll see. So that's good. Yeah, that's well, good. Um, I try to keep it up. Yeah, so we'll give you a, a little updates every month. We'll give updates of our, our status. <laughs> oh, and yeah. Like, no, okay. we're just not all like three old white <laughs> our men. Our own bucket list. <laughs> doing so. a podcast about the, the demo scene and how the children are ruining it. Like, we'll try to be active. So. Yes, that's a promise. Um, and yeah, and thanks for all the feedback uh, that we got. Like everybody pinging us uh, about the episodes on social media, our Twitter, um, and uh, on Pouet. We once again apologies to CCE that pinged in the Pouet thread that he had sent us email, but we never got it, and we feel really bad about it because he had some great suggestions for us, some great ideas. And indeed, do know that we will never not answer. So if you send something and you didn't get an answer, find us on Twitter, find us on our Discord. The Twitter at Zion Radio Show. Our Discord is linked everywhere. Uh, the email address is zionradioshow at c.org. Go find us. And if we don't respond, we are trying to like look into that because, yeah, we are not like that. We're not, we'll, we'll never ignore you. We love you. So thanks again, CC, and sorry for not getting back to you. There were some great ideas in there, and we've taken them in the realm of secrecy that is design podcast production. <laughs> yep. And uh, we'll see what happens with it. But there were some also, great ideas in there. Thank you. Also, it's quite interesting to see that uh, in some cases, I've, I've bumped into these sil uh, similar situations with emails when they haven't gone through for some reason, for some weird reason, they should have done. I mean, it's almost like back in the old days when you sent an email and then called up the person. Did you receive my email? It's like, sort of back into that one again. Did you work in my previous job? <laughs> where people would do that. Did you, say, did you see the email I sent you? Like, Leave me alone. But yeah, no, email, email is weird. Like email should have died ages ago and it didn't. But yeah, so find us, but do find us. Indeed. And... Um, and then there are some shout outs to things that are that are happening in the demo scene. Uh, the Meteorics are happening again this year mm -hmm. and they need jurors. So if you want to be a jury member for the Meteorics and have your voice um, uh, help your voice with your voice, yell at people about who should get a Meteoric Award, go and sign up. Go to the website and sign up to become a juror on things you love and things you like and make sure that people that deserve it get fantastic prizes. Have you been on the on the jury at some point already? I have been uh, a jury member for um, New Talent a few years ago. Okay. Say for it? No, I've just, just uh, done the, uh, well, voiceover things. So okay. I basically spend about 20 or 30 minutes every year dedicated to the I can recommend it. It's fun. <laughs> it is. It is good. Yeah, actually, you should do it like as like to, to get yourself into the demo scene as a task to do. Yeah, but but you would need more in-depth views on that, right? Okay. That's the great thing is that you're with a group of people and it's like an old group of people together. And what I say is I was in New Talent and I think that year I was with, like Doc D was there, Truck, Gasman, we had like a good group of people and it was taken really seriously. And I really appreciated that. It's like I spent many hours discussing and it was really hard because there were really good demos. And I think Toby was in there as well, maybe Triple X. 
Um, so it's it's uh, you don't have to be the perfect knowledge. You get to watch everything and you, you mm. form your opinion and you're together with these people. So you're gathering on site. Yeah, there is. People are in chat channels. There's a Discord uh, where you can hang out, or people are like gathering in chats online. They just do there, and then you watch the demos, and you can you can confer, and we can do it voice messaging, like with Zooms. But it's yeah, it's like it's taken really seriously, and that makes it really special. It's like it's a really cool thing to participate in, and I'll see if I'll sign up for new talent as well because I love that category because it's awesome to see new people. But it's really hard because then there are awesome people, and you have to pick. Like the laureate, you want to say, because they're all winners in the end, but then there's one you want to have special mention. And it's, sometimes it's incredibly hard. And we had fights, definitely fights. <laughs> okay, so everyone should sign, should sign up there, right? Yes, and also the, the URL is meteorics.org. So go there, sign up, and join. Uh, speaking about meteorics, usually they're handed out at Revision. Yes. A demo party at Easter. And it's 2022 now. So is there a Revision coming up? And that's the great question that's being asked. Uh, by the revision organizing, they are looking into what they can do for everybody in the demo scene. Has been craving real life demo parties. We had a few last year, and we we're blessed to have those. But revision is a big event, so they are holding a survey on COVID measures to see what they can do and if they, if they even can host a party safely. So do go fill out that survey if you want to come over. What you'd be comfortable with to come over for a real life party? The plan is to hold a online party slash real life party like combined in one but yeah you can imagine it is a terrible terrible thing to think about in this world now to organize a demo party with more than five people attending yeah it is i i absolutely adore them for organizing this survey already it's like feel out what they can do i mean yeah. so much respect to any organizer trying to like explore that but indeed i feel like it's it's goddamn i'm happy i'm not in that decision <laughs> i'm just and the host at revision i'm just yelling yeah. on a stage but it's <laughs> like yeah i don't um envy them one bit um and if it's online i'll be definitely be there online to like make a party with all of you like Me no matter too. what happens let's stick Me together too. yeah and if it's in real life i'll try to be there i really try my best to be there but yeah it is ethical questions and it's just a stupid stupid COVID yeah I will not be there uh, no matter if it happens or not but online I will definitely be involved because I'm well in, in my case it's a it's a, a health issue yes I have a, I've had my booster shots and uh, everything like that so but I'm still in a high risk situation in the form of high high blood pressure and stuff like that so so I would love to go but I will not this year anyway so uh, we respect I'm everything because yeah. we want We want you to be there <laughs> in any <laughs> yeah. way, shape, or form. So yes. yeah, so absolutely. And no, cho again, always your choice. And um, mm. and for importantly, go start making productions because before you know it, it's Easter. Yeah. It's faster than you think. It's already 2022. Yeah. Uh, speaking of parties, um, there are many parties happening. Uh, yes. Maybe already somewhere depending on country IRL or online. Um, the coming yes, yeah, so we have Dehalt in Russia, which has already been when this podcast comes out. Yes, and that's a special, that's a very special party, at least uh, the previous ex episodes, because we've helped them out uh, broadcasting from their parties before. And uh, those years have been just, I mean, just crazy. L look into our video archive on Cinsa.com, because they're in the middle of the forest. They've pulled out all these kind of um, diesel things and, and, yeah, just getting electricity, moving stuff. It's, it's completely crazy. It's 
completely bonkers to be honest but it's awesome so it's a, I mean, a mad a, max kind of party somewhere in the <laughs> woods or what yeah it's completely crazy it's, it sounds fantastically russian and i love them for it like so dehalt in russia outdoor the 6th to 8th of january uh but then in february we have love bite online uh from the 11th to the 13th of uh february size coding mainly size coding oriented online demo party where the nano awards are held, uh, handed out and there's all kinds of fun competitions be held. So join us there online with your smallest productions, as tiny as possible. And then we have a party up in the north of Sweden, Fjelldata, which is uh, set in the, the mountainy part of Sweden. Uh, I haven't actually checked if that's uh, going to be online or if it's physically happening. I, it's it's a quite smallish party, so I guess they will p- manage to pull it off. Is that but a it's new been, one? Uh, no, it's, it's been around for a, a okay. few years at least. Uh, mostly Commodore 64 oriented, but... Um, Oh, quite interesting and, and intriguing. They've, they've been in this sort of, well, uh, ski cabins and stuff like that. So it's really nice. That's, that's cool. What, is, what does it mean, Fjalldata? Uh, Fjell is the Swedish equivalent of small mountain, basically. So, <laughs> so <Yeah>. all right. <laughs> kind so of. basically like mountain bikes. <laughs> oh, sort of like that. Yeah. <laughs> hmm, I wonder how. Why? <laughs> they should have a connection, like the parties link up, like sister parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And skiing is not that far from Switzerland either, so... <laughs> <laughs> we should connect those two. Yeah, like all the, all the modern parties. So, uh, and then Assembly Winter coming up February 24th, 27th. Uh, I think it's all online. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, of course, Assembly also gamer uh, oriented, but also absolutely heavily demo scene oriented. And they had some great stuff uh, coming out. They had their Assembly Winter conference uh, earlier as well, which was mm-hmm. great. So let's see what Assembly Winter has to offer compo wise as well. But there's always something there to keep demo scene spirit alive. Yes. Because they know where their roots come from. Assembly knows. <laughs> I think that's it for January and February coming up. Mm-hmm. All the parties. Um, I guess we should dive into the interview, no? Yes. Yeah, is there anything else we should discuss before we go into the interview? I think that we're quite good on this one. All right. Let's see what Melker has to say about the UNESCO initiatives. And, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm quite positive it's going to be an interesting interview. So let's dive into these things right now. And for this episode, we have uh, a very special guest uh, for the interview is Melkor of Howjob. Uh, he's been a demo scene for a very long time and uh, one of the uh, founders of the Art of Coding initiative uh, to get the demo scene applied for cultural heritage uh, by UNESCO. Um, and we already have a bunch of countries that have accepted that status, uh, which are Finland in 2020, Germany in 2021, and now Poland has accepted that status as well in 2021. Uh, France and Switzerland are in preparation to be accepted. So we're going to talk to him about what that means, what this is, the Art of Coding initiative, and um, what is the goal of this? Like, why does he want to make sure the demo scene uh, gets this status? So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Aki. Uh, thank you, yeah, everybody. I'm super happy to be here. And that this, I mean, yeah, we've been talking about this for a while. And the, the initiative is also going on for a while. So, yeah, really happy to be here. Yeah, so congratulations first on uh, on Poland, just recognized. Yeah, I mean, first, I mean, the, the thank, thank you, A, of course. 
not deflecting. Second is, of course, it's always the the people in the countries who make the things happen. So the real congratulations are also due to people who made it happen in Poland, who filed the application, um, like Angelo and um, yeah, all the people behind the Chronicles, uh, so Chronica uh, Polska Demoscene. Um, which is like a yeah a group of people behind uh, the application, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, can you just to maybe circle back to explain to people that have no idea what we're talking about? What is the Art of Coding Initiative? So the Art of Coding Initiative is like um, it was an idea which went into a complete uh, initiative to bring the demo scene as first digital culture worldwide into the UNESCO intangible cultural heritage. So this is a long sentence, so I, I, I split it up a bit. So yes. the idea is really... Um, UNESCO has, of course, different parts, which is about the old buildings, which is about... Um, uh, things like Stonehenge and Zollverein um, um, and, and many other places which are physical cultural heritage and that's what people usually mean by, understand by it. But there's also the intangible cultural heritage, that's, that's something they fo focused on, which is the cultural practices, so what people do what is special regionally in certain in, in, in culture, which should be preserved or which is special and should be preserved in its uh, or support, preserved and supported in its existence, and that's what we uh, what we went for. Like. Um, because yeah, the demoscene is a special thing. So yeah, I think we will talk more about that. But it is really like uh, first of all um, a matter of recognition for what the demoscene is doing for thirty years, and then um, yeah, lots, couple of things can can happen out of that. So basically, it's it's a way to justify to our parents what we've been doing for all of these years. Because we, I, I brought this up uh, through previous issues that um, we or previous episodes that my mom and dad they don't really understand why am I doing this? What, what is it about this that actually is doing anything? But now, if we were to uh, apply for it in Sweden, for instance, which I started working on, but we'll get to that bit as well. Awesome. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, if I were to say to them, hey, look, this this is actually a recognized thing. It's not just a mumbo jumbo thing. Um, that would <laughs> make make it valid for me towards my parents. But, but I mean, um, is this it, sort of a way it, it, to to explain it to the world? It is. I mean, it is definitely. Um, so maybe I, I step one step back. The thing is, there is no money involved. So no one is just to get it out of the way. No one is getting anything out of it by UNESCO recognizing uh, the demo scene as in intangible cultural heritage. So it's not an NFT. That that's good. It's, <laughs> exactly. So no one can buy or sell something better. And actually, UNESCO is even serious about that. That it shouldn't be commercialized. You can't use the label then now with your cultural heritage and put it on. I don't know uh, a demo by Group X and say, yeah, this is now approved by UNESCO and let's sell it. Even I mean, this would be completely weird for the scene because we didn't. Do 
do that for 30 years, so why should we do that now? But um, but what you said, I mean, this is a great example. Uh, it makes it easier to communicate. That is something special that is maybe also interesting for new people to join. That is, has been relevant what we've been doing. I mean, just one example. So when, when in Germany, uh, no, in Finland, actually, so the first news came out um, that the Democene was like enlisted by Finland as national cultural heritage. Um, that was picked up pretty quickly by uh, Hacker News, so one of the news sites which is pretty relevant in the startup scene and Silicon Valley and etc. Um, and, and many other places of course as well. And um, and so many people, there were like thousands, I mean a thousand probably, uh, so hundreds of comments I think a thousand about how many people have been influenced by the scene in going into computers, going into networking, IT security, game development, be, being a v, VJ, developing this and that software, etc. And that was, I mean, we didn't intend that, I, but that was really this moment when I felt, yes, it is your home culture, it's where you grew up, it is this thing where you sometimes feel how many hundreds and thousands are still around, especially in the pandemic, it's sometimes hard to feel connected and to a bigger thing. But then you see like there's probably hundreds of thousands of people who have been influenced by it. Then, then it's, I mean, there's, yeah, there's so many facets to it, but that's, that's one. Yes. Well, because, because you said it wasn't, that wasn't our actual, our first intention to have that reaction, to actually tell our parents that we were right. I still love that kind of vindictive, <laughs> like grown up adults telling their parents, see, see, we were right all along. I mean, that's, that's the whole life, right? I mean, we always, in the end, we always try to justify to our parents that it makes sense what we're doing. <laughs> it wasn't time wasted behind the computer making all those bleeps and bloops and weirdy colored things. But what was your um, idea with it? Because you said like it felt like an important thing to do, like to get that. But yeah, what was is it? I mean, the, the original, the idea behind it came really, uh, it was, I think it was, a, of course, it was a beer idea. <laughs> why, why not? Um, no one tried it, so let's do it together with Andreas Lange. So Andreas Lange, who is um, someone who has um, founded the Computer Games Museum in Berlin. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that was really one of the first games museums worldwide. And he really did it early on, had always in his living room, heaps and heaps and heaps of games standing around before he could establish this uh, computer games museum and we got to know each other I mean yeah via digital media and I studied media studies and that stuff and he had that background too but he also asked for a demo scene exhibit like 10 years or 12 years ago so that's when first time I edited a video which is now in the permanent exhibition so on behalf of Digitale Kultur e.V. so I should say if when I say I I mean oftentimes either the Art of Coding Initiative or Digitale Kultur e.V. or both together. So um, so we did a video exhibit for, about the scene or an interactive exhibit for his uh, computer games museum. And from that, this conversation of, okay, how is digital culture, how can we maybe do more to also make... Um, 
to open the spaces that digital culture is the same normal culture as any other cultural practices as well how can we support this this um, this perspective um, nowadays probably we don't or no one has to justify anymore what we are doing in digital be it games or in the demo scene but i think most of us grew up with this feeling of doing something out of um, regarded well enough or something or something special or something nerdy and actually it was also a good thing i think um, to feel like that because that at least what were connected me always to the scene like to have this kind of small space where you talk to people who understand what you love and do and it's a little bit different it was a group of outliers like it's a group of people that were finding their own thing exactly because, yeah and and it was especially when the computers were new i think that is a thing that is now it's so accepted to be considered weird as like oh back in the day you were a nerd when you played video games everybody plays video games so it's that whole aesthetic has changed but back exactly. in the day. so it was more like that outlier because you feel like yeah so as a subculture it should be recognized like any other subculture and exactly and that's that's the important part so yeah that was the moment the idea was really okay let's try it why not because like this classical uh institutions even this big institutions which are like subsidy of the nation states um are of course on the complete end of the spectrum what the demo scene is and what it does so self-organized anarchic completely um personal personality driven groups driven without um, any support from the outside basically it's not really true but like <laughs> yeah this is self-made and fair enough so if they if if they get if they acknowledge it then again we have succeeded to become to be taken seriously it all, exactly. comes, it all comes back to that it all comes and back to being taken seriously <laughs> but that's that's the important thing it's not about i mean the scene doesn't need a stamp of approval i think that was really from the first first time i think when when I, we had this first talk at revision um i think it's super important i mean the scene doesn't need this stamp of approval to be considered okay this is special i mean sceners are pretty um fond of their skills and i mean it's all about skills competition community i mean craft so yeah. it doesn't need anyone externally and i think people are sometimes of course also uh critical why do we need that uh, or were critical at least in the beginning why why is that there uh, but then with the conversations usually um the reasons why we do this, um, maybe to go in that direction a little bit, the reasons are really a yes, the stamp of approval. Okay, this is this is definitely something special to be <laughs> regarded as national cultural heritage of a country. But of course, the, the aim is of course to be regarded as an international culture because that's what we are. I mean, in the end, Demosthenes, yes, we care about our nations, but actually, we care about the international perspective on the transnational yeah, no borders that I was saying. exactly so um yeah i think so that story is important but the practical sides is also it will definitely help 
institutions who want to put resources behind preservation of digital culture and history make it easier for, for them actually to justify research grants, to, to justify projects, maybe to justify museums. Um, I mean, justify, to make it easier. Justify is it anyway, but yeah. to make it more easy. And it's the same for demo scene organizers. So if you're running a party and you want to go to, to your local or regional government, maybe it's easier to take a, a grant in case your venue gets locked down because of COVID and, and risk is mitigated. So it's all these in little bit intangible <laughs> results, which are, but they are, Valuable. It's it is definitely we can use it as like oh but we're a UNESCO recognized event so you don't have to be as worried about what we do or yeah so it will make things in especially preservation because we're getting to the point where we thought everything would always be preserved because it's digital and we found out we find out it's not actually things get lost a lot and. We're getting old, the demo scene is getting older, so we should actually get to that point where there is some kind of museum, maybe, or are, there is already archives, of course, of, of, of well, maybe it's ironic that Dipswitch's Papers, Please yep. is more complete than certain digital archives at this, at this point, <laughs> which he did for the tangible, for the, for the paper stuff that got lost, for the physical artifacts, but yeah. Yeah, and and hundred percent. And I think the fourth thing definitely is uh, that it's. I mean, the scene. Oftentimes, we talk about the past, of course, and how it was in the old days. And uh, we watch the demos we loved while we grew up together, and which we we, we did ourselves maybe. Um, but I mean, it's also about the future, and the future is, and that this is. Sometimes debated, but nowadays uh, I think I'm 100% behind it, like also to have like an outreach perspective, really to make the demo scene also more tangible, that people who at least have a chance to, to um, or have an extra channel to get in touch, to join, to get inspired, to uh, because many people never heard about the scene. And if they join as... Um, Graphicians, artists, music, coders. I mean, there's so many things what you can do in a scene. I never produced a demo. I mean, uh, but there have been in 30 years. I mean, I was first in the illegal, in the illegal scene and modem trading and stuff like the old, the old, old or older. I mean, yeah, whatever is old uh, days. And then it was always like bringing people together, talking to people, doing the seminars. Um, um, yeah, and, and there's so many roles. I think uh, DemoZoo also updated that recently that con that organizing roles are also seen as, as a contribution to the scene. I think that's totally fair enough, um, especially yeah. with, yeah. But yeah, I can con continue talking about this uh, no, I just said hours. like back in the day you had swappers, but you also needed people that was like other roles than, than programmers, graphicians and, and musicians. And we've, we talked about producers before, uh, directors. Um, it's, it's like indeed organizers, uh, people that arrange things to happen at parties are incredibly important to the demo scene. And I love that always that outreach and people ask the question, why should we outreach? But it always comes from 
I love this and I think other people would love it as well and it gave us so much and it can give other people that so let's try this and that's I love to hear from you that it also was kind of what sparked this this recognition of like maybe more people will take it seriously or will find it and go over and join and see what it's about and maybe do something. 100%. I mean, that was uh, that was always something, especially at Digital Guru EFA, what we, I mean, yeah, I think Tobi Triple X, I think he even went to Games Convention with the others in Leipzig in 2003, 4, etc. I mean, there were so many. And when there was really just kids say hey, do you have t-shirts for us and <laughs> it was um, and it over time of course then relationships built etc and my my in an indirect sense my whole career even in in game so i work in game developer conferences was actually influenced by these outreach initiatives because so many people in game development have a background in the scene it really yeah. led from these outreach initiatives was never intended but it was really yeah i became an organizer so first in the demo scene and then uh in in um in the games industry in that sense yeah always it's it, everywhere you go within video games somebody has always been in theater as i Especially. Is what I've learned. <laughs> is what I've learned. Like no matter where I go, which game studio I visit, and then somebody I wasn't here was I back in the eighties. It's always <laughs> true, and uh, and that is actually one of the reasons why we started and or we had the hope that the chances in Finland are of course the highest, because <laughs> there is yeah. there. The, the whole games industry in Finland is influenced by the scene. So Remedy was founded by Scenes. I mean, they even when the when the when the um, announcement of the Finnish uh, recognition came out, Remedy on the official Twitter accounts uh, retweeted like an old demo of the of, of theirs. Um, um, For people people not in the know, which I can't imagine anybody, but if Remedy was founded by the members of Future Crew, some members of Future Crew were involved and. Assembly Demo Party organized by Abyss of Future Crew has been an institution in Helsinki. If you go to Assembly, everybody you meet in Helsinki has been to Assembly at least once. Yeah. And it's a fantastic experience. And the whole game industry in Helsinki, which is gigantic, has roots in the demo scene. And Tampere and Olo, just to, yeah. to name the others. Because, so <laughs> it's not all, no, no, 100%. Um, and that's that's the thing. Um, and as Finnish culture identifies itself um, very much with the, with the digital, so of course Nokia, we all know these stories, but so it's not only about games, it's about techno culture, it's about innovation, etc. And as all this, I mean, at least the demo scene was a strong breeding ground for this innovation spirit, this kind of hacking attitude, this uh, exploration, this playfulness, and this community spirit, like community and competition. This is this is the thing which influenced me personally actually the most from the scene, that com community and competition doesn't have to exclude each other, even yeah. in industries, even in business. It's really... It pushes it forward instead of... Exactly. Even though it sounds weird, but that's, it's a weird aspect in a demo scene is you make beautiful things and then you compete against each other. But it pushes that spirit forward. I yeah, and and I mean, we, I mean, as all of us know, we could continue for hours just on these facts. What what is special about the scene, and that's what we put into these applications as well. So if you so, so so maybe that's a good bridge to like actually, what does it actually need to apply? What does an application look like? Ha. Um, in each country, it's different. <laughs> 
And so, yeah, there's there's no easy answer to it. Maybe the general process, why do we go via these the countries? Um, if you want to be recognized as international intangible heritage, then you have to be successful on the national heritage of two or more countries. So it needs first two or more countries. And um, and in each of the countries, the application processes are different. So one example, um, Switzerland, for example, there you have a very strong democratic um, or bay, how do you say it in English, based democratic uh, heritage. So it really has to go. You have to be nominated. It has to go via the regional so-called right. cantons, which is really the local or the regional community which is voting in a public vote if something gets uh, accepted or not. Right. And in um, in not to fall into cliches. In Germany, we had to write a proper long draft. We had to ask for um, approval by professors and we got supported all of that. So actually in Germany, we had two steps process. We had first to be nominated in one of the um, nation state. How do you say it in English? Like uh, North Rhine-Westphalia, Bavaria, etc. So like provinces, like provinces, exactly. Yeah, one of the provinces. So you have to make sure that you got one province to nominate. Yes, and that was like that's the hard thing because they can only nominate like four cultures per year, and mm -hmm. so that's the hard cut. If you made that cut, and we went via North Rhine-Westphalia because uh, Digital Culture FA is here and Evoke is there. At least we had some reasons why we could say this is also mm -hmm. part of Northwest failure. So it's kind of counterintuitive. You have to start, oh, and it started in Paderborn and Siemens Nixdorf is there. So how job, I mean, yeah, we didn't put that in the application, but at least we could tell a story. The scene is here in Northwest failure, even though our final aim is, of course, to tell the story of Europe and how we cross the borders before Schengen and how we play with our national identities, but it's more the international identity or of, of being creative and playful. And uh, I like the, I like the irony of that it has to be super hyper locally approved to become internationally approved but fair enough so so you had that approval in north rhine and, and then and then it went like to the Kulturminister conference which is like really the big conference of all the ministers etc they which have to put their approval on on what was nominated by by the um by the uh, provinces. I mean, it's it's even more complicated on that end, but yeah. Uh, but you have to write a hefty, a hefty essay about why this is all important and, and why. And one thing is, yes, why it's important, what is, uh, I mean, yeah, I have it here. So the questions there were things like, um, I mean, of course, it, type of immaterial cultural heritage, the geographic localization, that's simple. Uh, but it gets more interested in when you describe what are the com contemporary practices of the cultural form. And or <laughs> how do you do the passing on of knowledge and skills? Or uh, I mean, there was uh, what is really a contemplation of on history and development. I mean, that marks our sense. Well, you, can, you can answer these like connection to Europe but there's also is is there like is there knowledge about the universe and um, 
and uh, I think knowledge and customs related to nature or the universe. Um, well, we had so many demos about planets and and the federation against nature has made <laughs> a bunch of fantastic demos so i think yes exactly exactly <laughs> and wild demos are a thing so hey that's kind of naturey so that but honestly i mean it's like really like what uh, like demos so if you get such a text and application then first you think hmm also like with the hyperlocal thing and then it spawns your creativity so that's really interesting that uh, I didn't also I didn't expect that that it's really it was fun then to brainstorm so for example I started like uh, Steam uh, from 5711 we sat together brainstormed lots of answers together and then of course that was elaborated with many people in a Google form um, in, into the application how long how long did it take for you guys to get that, that how many questions are there and how long did it take? Uh, so I think in total it's like a 25-page document. So that's that's the German version. <laughs> Sorry, so German. That is very good. Gründigkeit muss sein. And, and you have a bibliography. So with uh, with yeah with uh, Marco Reiner and, and Gleb Albert and uh, other people you would know under the Demoscene handles, uh, which are of course authors, scientific authors nowadays, uh, that helped as well. So it's um, not easy. So this application, it, it is. It not depends easy. on the country. So in yeah. in Finland, it was uh, really to write a proper Wikipedia article, and uh, in all countries, you always have to make sure that you involve the scene. So you can't, it can't be like an agency which goes, let's say, in um, country X and says, oh, oh, this demo scene thing, I like that, now I apply for that. And I'm, so you have A to say, you make sure that you are part of the culture and then also that you uh, at least also make sure that the culture in, yeah, is involved and that's of course a tricky one because again we are so decentral so what did we do in germany at least we involved digital culture fr we involved like tastatur and mouse fr which is the entity behind revision we uh, made sure that many scene initiatives at least gave us their stamp of approval there were some discussions of course on PUE there is um, and uh, we opened the discord and that was an important part also and you know like demo scenes are critical people so we tried to make it at least with the resources available as transparent as possible so there's a public discord there is a public google form there's at least a website where you can go etc i mean it it's always a push and pull thing of course people have also want to to pull the information but uh, it's it's not that's an ongoing process i would say so if you think about okay let's do that in our country let's let's uh, move this on in uh, sweden for example then mm. <laughs> um then it's helpful if you know, of course, some people or you have some outreach, etc., to make people uh, aware of, okay, we are trying this now in the next half year, let's find out what the procedures are here. And um, that, yeah, of course, you you have like... Um, <sighs> the thing is, in the demo scene, we don't have a representation, right? And that's a good thing, right? We don't want to informalize just to fit into this... UNESCO rules what you need, but you need a certain part of organization. Um, yeah. And it's been a question, it's actually been a question within the demo scene, it's like, why do we need to do this? Why do we need to be recognized? Because we are such a anarchistic, decentralized 
group of people. There is no uh, organiz- one organization. As you said, there's a bunch of organizations per par demo party or per country. Certain things are being taken care of, but people have been asking that question of like, what does it give to us? Why should we do this? Isn't this um, yeah. counterintuitive for us? Isn't this like break? Doesn't this break down who we are? What would you? How would you address that? I mean, in in lots of personal discussions, at least, especially in the beginning, um, the main, I mean, aside of the four reasons what I said before, I think the main reason is where do you think will be the harm? So uh, we have this minimum of outreach. Maybe it will help organizers. It will uh, help definitely with preservation. It is a recognition and it makes it easier to communicate uh, about it. Um, And what does it give you as an individual? So if you, what's in for me, then I, I think I would answer it's it's in for you what you make of it. It's really like just a, it's really just an open space because again, it's just as just quote unquote just an approval by uh, by UNESCO that it's re- regarded as an intangible cultural heritage. But intangible cultural heritage really means it's living, breathing, etc. Nothing has to change if we don't want to change it. It is up to the culture to change itself. So the demo scene 30 years ago is not the same scene as today. And the demo scene is many scenes. It has never been one scene, honestly, if we think about it. And, and, and it again, comes back to like proving our parents wrong. Is it a thing that for personal for us, you can tell to your parents, see so, what we... <laughs> yeah, 100%. But I mean, it's still the question from the beginning. I always have that also in my mind. So if people are super critical, and that's mostly if people have a very strong anarchic uh, political perspective, especially... Um, then of course you can't tell anyone. I mean, I'm not trying anyone like that to make an X for a new. I mean, it is uh, if if you see UNESCO, it is an organization of the nation states, so you have to play by their rules. And in some, not by their rules. That's not true. We have to play by our rules, and if it fits in, then it fits in. That's in that's rules. maybe, and it is a game. It's it's definitely a playful hack hack it. Uh, hackitude behind it because again why not so what would be the harm what can come out of it so one or two things I mean one or two things what I saw after the first initial uh, announcement there were like worries oh do we have now to create demos which are only high art or high culture or something but that's not what it is, a, really not what it's about. It was never about. I mean, it, the demo scene, so at least what UNESCO says or recognizes is the special way how we come together, how we hold competitions, how we create stuff, how knowledge is transferred, how we have an attitude to each other that Robis Jarek and um, ISD demos are part of the same subculture and MFX and you name all the different groups of styles and, and you have flavors. to name all of them yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I felt ah oh, shit no don't name anyone no the rest of the interview will just be listing out all the demo groups <laughs> <laughs> and see you next week yeah so 
it's um yeah so it's basically because that i think it makes it hard for people to grasp but it basically is unesco kind of um giving us that like we acknowledge that the acknowledgement of like this subculture has been of importance in the last 30 years and still is of importance in a certain cultural heritage of like it as you said like so many people reacted to it saying i was influenced by the demo scene or even when they're not demo seniors people have seen it and it has pushed them in a certain direction so that that is recognized 100 percent yeah 100 and it's really i mean our brains function that we always focus on the negative but i would say probably from the conversations and feedback what we got um out of 500 personal contacts or feedbacks it was maybe three to five maybe ten if you look of it over the t over the years um who had uh like a, a negative stance and um just for one last quote so what the 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 strongest conversation i had on that was with a, a french demo scene who had a background in the graffiti scene and he was concerned that was way before starting and it was really what first time when we announced and his concern was that it might happen uh in the demo scene what happened to the graffiti scene that people were commissioning works that uh that it split into di two different parts in a sense between commercialized and non-commercialized things uh, but um it's a good point actually because it did split the graffiti scene in half and it's like but yeah so could you imagine a demo scene i mean how can you commission demo scene it happens let's not let's not okay let's not go there let's not go there but let's, it, it did happen well not in the big scale but we had commercial demos of course we of can course. talk about this in a later episode no no it's true it's true i mean there was of course and we've seen there were outreach initiatives also like with oh, not even that there were actually literally demos made for money but that's a whole different i mean it, it's so such a small group that we yeah and even then we could say does it change the scene as a total exactly, i mean it's it so it's so in so again, decentral, so non-overtakeable, I would say, so uh, so resistant. I I mean, at least my 30 years of experience of, on one hand, we do the outreach initiatives. On the other hand, we know also it has to be compatible. You have to be curious, you have to be respectful, and you have to also some kind of grit to want to stay in the scene because it is open and lovely lovely and lovable um but only if you take a little bit of extra step to stay around uh, long enough you have to put the effort in i would say so uh, um and uh, so the demo see so yeah so that's why at least i felt the scene is at least it's the risks for the scene to lose its momentum sometimes are not from the um, from a commercial side or so. That's fair. Yeah. It's basically, I mean, we, we still need the uh, the rebirth of, uh, well, reintroducing people into this. Because, I mean, I say reintroducing the fact that because a lot of people have been popping back to the demo scene after just being absent for quite a while. And one big important thing there, uh, I mean, in Sweden, we have a big game development culture and um, the gaming industry in Sweden is huge. And we see that 
also uh, officially by a bunch of really good documentaries, I must say, about the Swedish game wonder and everything like that. And always there are parts and bits in these documentaries about the demo scene. Uh, there was a big, like, five episode uh, story documentary about the uh, the gaming industry here now and one full episode was completely focused on demo scene and and the group's mentality and the competition parts of it so so it actually i think it helps to bring back people who didn't know that oh this still isn't thing i mean i did this back in the 80s 90s but oh is this still alive but it also it can open up for for newbies to uh, to pop in, uh, which is not as you say. It's not an easy thing. Like I look at this and then I don't realize why do I need to do this? Because I mean I can do a video on YouTube and pop it up there and get to reach a gazillion people just like that. Why do I need to put this extra grit into it? And it, I, I don't know um, if the UNESCO thing will help in any way, but to, to me, um, spreading the word and, and trying to do more outreach has always been a good thing, uh, to be honest. I mean, that's why I also do uh, radio stuff and, and try to broadcast from parties, because not only I'm, uh, I'll be able to reach other demo sceners, but also there is a possibility that someone who's not a demo seed is like, hey, this could be an interesting thing. <laughs> but it's always a hard thing. 100%. Um, and that's great to hear uh, because we often, I mean, yeah, you assume other people do what they do because of, because, but you don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there is definitely, and talking about the people who are producing the, the demos, right, who are creating the music and etc so the important part really about this being visible is really that people from who are for example in game development or in shader programming etc also find a place where they can connect to others who have the same passion for this art but usually they oftentimes people don't know i mean i've really seen lots of or a couple of engine developers from game development who joined the scene, created demo groups and started producing demos over the years. And um, it is, and reintroducing, definitely. It's really like people are coming back. Sometimes they have been exposed to the C64, had no clue what was going on, and then are coming back now. And that, for that, definitely outreach initiatives help a lot. Um, that's, that's a I do love it's it's always about the love for that we want to share and that we also feel like we can connect to them sometimes it's hard for other scenes to connect with the demo scene as we say like we're very as you said like we're welcoming but you have to stick around I think it's also for the demo scene to open up a bit more for these different scenes and I think it does help with these kind of initiatives to get more people in to give it a different perspective because we need that every once in a while to keep on going and she said progress is not standing still progress is moving always keep on moving to different kind of um yeah different kind of ways to perceive it and also the old ways will still be there but um yeah i mean i go again like <laughs> making people mad about saying that old school stuff is cool people i really every time i say something <laughs> that makes it sound like i don't like it but no it's um it's also if if 
it's only about the technical te technological progress then and then we wouldn't be there anymore because i mean and there's there's so many reasons why the scene couldn't be there anymore i mean it's really in the digital space such a long time that the scene is around and still producing and still coming together and i think all of us feel we want to come together after this pandemic is over i mean which big role like really also the physical played for our digital culture um that i think that got super apparent but it's really it's really, I believe, so while writing these applications and while thinking and discussing with other seniors about this uh, UNESCO application or this whole process behind it, I really realized, no, I think really there is a cultural form which we have created, which is in its own form unique. So this means just two examples. We could have been always interactive, but we always, I mean, we always created linear, at least 90% of what we produce are linear things, even though it's completely real-time, whatever. It is a unique form. It is a linear, real-time thing. Unique and arbitrary, because it's all like, just <laughs> was made up at one For point. For us, by it's people. totally normal, but it's yeah. actually so in in illogical to do that in a sense if you see it on a media perspective media history perspective like there were music videos before and film and television and all linear media except like the remote where you can switch tv channels and then then like this whole digital space comes along which can be totally arbitrary interactive and all of that and what games and software of course are doing but the demo scene is doing no, it's from start to end. It's like you watch it, you watch it like a music video or something like that, but the magic is behind it. You have to know what it means, how it's created, etc., what makes it special. And, and it was the only way to do it back in the day. It was the only way to make something on your home computer. Yeah, but we still do it 30 yeah, years and later. And it was something that we that and, and that linear is like because we saw that happen and it's like it's completely because the one thing for real time is that you can do whatever you want, you can make it interactive. And the demo is like, nah, we call that the game combo. <laughs> you can make a video game. And there has been, again, a few demos that tried interactive. Oh, totally. I, rec we have I recommend everybody it. to watch the, the Lim Ninja Kids demo, which is basically WarioWare in a demo form. Uh, it's called Do It Yourself. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I, I hear you. And, or, and I think so. Or... Just another example, why do we have, I mean, we just show a demo once. So there's one release at one place, physically, usually. That's it's the competition aspect, because you, can you can't use it again. Exactly. Which is bizarre. It's bizarre. It's, just, it's, it's like... democratic. We get our vote keys and then we fight for the vote keys, or maybe not today anymore, but then there's a social hacking plaguing uh, place. And you'll find like 20... 20 of these things which are not each each of these maybe not not in itself is like a, a one big thing but if you combine that and you, and then of course and we're not talking about demos so far that much but size coding that's going to stay it's like i mean size coding in text is as old as um Poetry is like if you know sonnets, like this format yeah. of four four three three. That's as old as like five hundred years. Or like even even smaller. People still write it, and that's why I believe 
if we, I mean, not maintain, but these kind of formats will also make it always interesting for people to come back and create stuff in that, even if the technological progress is not the important part anymore. So if, if somebody listening to this and is like really enthusiastic and not from Germany, Finland, Poland, uh, Switzerland or France, no, what is it? Uh, Sweden or France. And it's like, I want to help to see if I can help make it happen in my country. What do they do? Where do they start? So first of all, you the easiest is to go to the website demoscenetheartofcoding.net um, and there you've, you have like news section, but if you go on the contact area, then there is like some email contacts, but also the link to the Discord. Um, so that's, and because the Discord is where we mostly coordinate. So there's the countries where something is happening are like, um, yeah, like there's country channels. So you can just say hi, drop in the Discord, say hi, I'm here, I'm happy to help, or at least uh, to join maybe the next meetup. So usually we have like every, we had it monthly, then uh, usually we have every two months like a meetup uh, for to, to, exchange on experiences on the different applications but we also need help in terms of if you want to help with communications for example um there's yeah there's definitely and that's all of that is coordinated in discord and one thing by the way you're doing the very american way there okay sweden or switzerland because switzerland is really on the way uh sweden has not really get started uh, got started that much um I actually started doing stuff, uh, I guess, two years ago now. I uh, started looking into things together with Go to 80, um, but it kind of went flat because, well, real life issues and everything like that. So if anyone in Sweden wants to help out, yay, uh, howl, howl at us. Uh, and yes, the Discord is a good place to, to start uh, as well. But but one, one thing that I was just coming back to, to um, what we were talking about earlier approximately what time frame are we talking about for submitting to a country? I mean, looking at the process here in Sweden, it seems like there's like two times a year that we need to have a, there's a deadline to submit to, to actually get this approved. And if we missed one slot now in the spring, then okay, so let's just wait for another six months to, to do this again. Mm. But what are the approximately time slots needed just in case you want to get involved? And if you say, yeah, we have bi-monthly meetings, that means that it probably will go on for a long time. Do you, don't you think that might scare people off from helping out, trying to commit for a long time? Um, it really depends on. So if you if you so each country needs usually one person who takes the lead. I mean that's what people always need. Uh, that some per, one person who thinks, okay, I'm at least I'm checking the applications. I test. I, I I talk at least to some officials or check the websites how the process in my country is, um, and then usually for everybody else joining and for for that person, I would say it's. It's really on and off work. It's not a humongous amount of time you have to put in. It's more going to the meetups to actually stay motivated yourself as well. Because, I mean, the pandemic didn't make it easier, honestly. I mean, without demo scene meetings to sit together and celebrate and come together and motivate each other for doing stuff, I think... Um, yeah, it wasn't easier that way. So one person, it needs a little bit to push forward. And then it's it's more, again, German application. 
is was I think the longest so far but all the texts are there you can copy and paste them you can use texts and edit it that of course to your region and one thing we shouldn't forget uh, it also depends on the political culture in the country so there is there have been seniors in some countries um, who who have tested the waters and said okay the political direction of our government would never support uh, a transnational so a story of a transnational culture as national cultural heritage at the moment so we would like to help but at the moment it doesn't make sense um, yeah so you can imagine which countries there are <laughs> or some it's um, but for us so the, the whole total time frame so to answer your question yeah. the time frame is um, we are another one and a half years we want to take uh, together as many countries or successful countries as possible so let's so evoke 2024 that's kind of a time frame at least i have in mind to get to assemble and gather all the applications until that moment which were successful and then initiate the process to do the um transnational or international application which is technically already possible with Poland, um, Finland and Germany but of course we would love to see also a more southern country ideally also countries outside of Europe if that is possible um, which are successful and I have to mention another hurdle uh, it can be also that your country doesn't have signed the uh, the treaty for the intangible cultural heritage then there is just no way how you can apply in that country mm. and that is the problem with the commonwealth countries which are not the smallest amount so <laughs> this that's what we learned i mean it's all learning by doing right so mm -hmm. uh, so that's the challenge uh, for example in uk there is uk seniors who would be interested but yeah we will at the moment, at least for national applications, they can't do something. They can still do the same, like what what the Polish seniors did to gather a website, to, to gather the uh, the kind of national history of the demo scene, which is also an interesting perspective because we always see it international. But if you look, okay, wait, how did it actually develop here in Germany? I have so often no clue. No, really no clue. So it can be interesting as well, but then it's more a history project, of course. But it sounds like a good challenge and it sounds like something the demo scene is very good at. <laughs> Solving all these kind of like puzzles. Yeah, and honestly, two more years is actually not, I mean, two more years until starting the international applications uh, in a pandemic, it doesn't feel that long anymore. No. It's, it's uh, okay, two years, yeah, why not? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, that's the time frame. And uh, if you want to make something also out of this uh, in the meantime already, there's no reason why you couldn't. Uh, so we have the successes in three countries now. But if you as a senior think, yeah, okay, now let's make use of this. Uh, please <laughs> do workshops, do outreach initiatives, do something in your country which is not, it doesn't have to be aligned to art of coding or supporting the application, but, and use 
art of coding and the successes in these countries already to tell people, yes, this is something, we can relate to that, we use that label, use that success. Um, if that helps you running a demo party or running um, a workshop or doing something at a university or going to uh, to a sponsor for a local demo party or something use it as reference because it's really meant like as an open book for 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 to be used by by scenes to support any initiatives in and for the scene so that's that's what it's about good stuff i think that's a lovely note to end on as well because i think that uh, yeah we couldn't actually end any better uh, no, so thank you so much, uh, Malcolm, for talking about it and explaining it because it is sometimes so is it intangible, so difficult to grasp why, and that it's so hard per country. But now, if you hear this and you're like, I want to help out, join the Discord, uh, go find Melkor, and if you're from Sweden, go find Zifoid mm -hmm. and help him out with the Swedish application. And, uh, and let's see if we can um, get more applications in before Evoke 2024, which obviously will be in person. We'll be absolutely seeing each other there in real life. He said, hopeful. <laughs> um, so uh, so that's, that sounds like a very good challenge to get this done. And uh, I'll take a peek at the, the Dutch. I think there was a start. Yes, made. there is a Dutch group. There's also a Danish group. Um, there is... There's definitely also people who've been writing from Russia, and I think it's uh, someone in uh, Chile. Um, so if oh, nice. if there's like with all demo scene things, if we come together at our events, then it's a good moment usually also together with the others. So now is a moment where we take take of course Christmas, New Year's Eve, etc. But very soon we will all be geared up for revision or other demo parties i mean is there is isn't there one this week still but yeah at revision and evoke that's always where we gather also like for for seminars and to make sure what what will be next steps and for us the next steps will be uh, to dive deeper into of course other countries but also to dive deeper into what can we make of this so how can what can you make out of it? And that's the next phase. All right, let's see where this goes. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Oki. Thank you, Sifoid. Thank you, Shana, and all involved. And uh, thank you to all the listeners, also from my end. Um, keep doing demos. It's awesome. Yes. <laughs>
well, do it over an evening and then it's done, but it's it's not extremely much like in some countries. But uh, there still needs to be quite a lot of research done, and also it is a bit of um, it, it is a bit of a mess because you need to find it's it's sort of like a Wikipedia stamp of official thing. You need to have official sources as well stating about this. But it's it's a good thing, as as I mentioned in the podcast, the or the interview now, um, they actually uh, there are quite a few documentaries and stuff about the demo scene well the parts of it as well and and as as i also mentioned my mom will be so happy and that, that hey she'll all right she's probably not going to be that happy but she'll like okay okay i might see what you're you've been doing now these years then i i don't know does that make us <laughs> members of the unesco now and <laughs> <laughs> not really. It's not that kind of a member of the thing, but but at least it's uh, it's um, I, I think it's a good initiative. But some people frown upon it, like oh, why do we need that? But I don't see that as a bad thing. So I I like it. Well, I guess you never need it, um, but it doesn't hurt it either, right? I mean, uh, I sometimes I wonder where where they draw the lines. What it, what is a culture cultural heritage and what is some? I mean, does it need to have a minimum? I'm, I don't remember that from 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 uh, the interview. Is that something that you need a minimum amount of time that makes t- that makes it a heritage that uh, or w- worth being a heritage, or is that not really an aspect of it? Well, it's mostly support support from within the country that it has that impact on the culture and that people multiple people say it does. Oh. But yeah, it's a difficult thing, uh, but it's a fun thing, and I think yeah, let's all help come help out on the Discord for the, the cultural heritage uh, UNESCO applications, and let's make sure that we hit that goal um, of getting the international application out at Evoke 2023, maybe even, and not 24. Maybe even, yeah, could be. We heard that Melkor has might made a mistake there <laughs> that he meant 2023 because what time is it? What year is it? Nobody knows, but. <laughs> Or 22, maybe even this year. Who knows? Like, let's see. Let's just get as much uh, applications in as possible. Come help us out. And the padding of a year might be useful as well. We never know. Because these things can take time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up for uh, for this month. Mm-hmm. Um, already looking forward to the, to the next month because uh, we have a fun guest. Interesting stuff to talk about in the next episode. Mm-hmm. So make sure to join us for the February podcast. Um, but for January, we're going to wrap it up, and uh, and hopefully you all, everybody, can come out of the post 2021 holiday malarkey, and uh, we ease ourselves into 2022, which will be very similar to 2021 and very similar to 2020. <laughs> hopefully, not as similar. No, oh, that sounded depressing. Anyway, so thanks for. Let's yeah, <laughs> end on a high note. <laughs> hopefully, it's better. Let's hope that we'll see each other in person. Let's see where it brings us. Yes. All right, so then uh, I'll wrap it up with saying that this show was hosted by Oki Excellence Ziphoid and produced and edited by Shana and Laguber, who are already wondering if all of this was a good idea. Special thanks to the Art of Coding team, uh, Scene.org, SceneSat, Echtside, and Bitfellas. Send your questions to Show at Scene.org, our Twitter or Facebook accounts, or on Discord, or Puet, wherever you want to go, Twitter at um, ZineRadioShow at the Zion Radio Show. At Zion Radio Show. Ah! <laughs> uh, if you like the show, please share it with your friends, subscribe, and give us a positive rating on the app you are using. You can find us on SceneSat, Spotify, Hackery Radio, which we find out, 
And wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts, go find us and listen to us and tell your friends. And see you next time. Bye bye. See you soon. Bye. Things that are happening. No, that was terrible as well. Ziff, why'd you do it? Cho cho.